theoretically possible. Why waste time? It doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston, press to ATO. Three, two, one. Well, hello, friends, and good welcome back. Good morning, everyone, or good day, or good, good day, afternoon, good afternoon, good evening, whatever good it is your time. We are a global podcast, so we appreciate you all listening and tuning in today. And actually, our topic today is actually on the topic of travel. It is, and it's something that we miss when we're talking about travel. We our brain instantly jumps to international travel. I don't. I just don't feel like it's a full experience of travel if it's domestic. I know. And that's maybe something that eventually we will <laughs> maybe it's our flaw. change. But I just think, well, there is a lot to explore in the United States. It's a Absolutely. huge country. So I much. It. I highly recommend anyone, especially anyone who has not been born and raised here. And even those who have been born and raised here. Yeah. I think we all have to kind of, we've, I think after the pandemic, we've all kind of had a more, pre, more of appreciation of domestic travel. Because that was what we could do. Yeah. Right. But also, it's made us really miss going off to foreign lands. Definitely, as well. but yeah, a lot of people get out of your box, get out of your bubble, get out of your state, please. Yeah, and go go check out the world. It's a beautiful place. So, the question of the day is: What is the thing that surprised you the most when you traveled to a country you had never been to before? Yeah, this is a great question. It's, it's there's a lot. Well, we we let's be honest with our friends. We each wrote down our own answers, and so we're sharing them live with you on the Life Out of the Box podcast. Yeah, I don't know what John's answers are, and he doesn't know what mine are, but I did put some uh, backups just in case we had the same one, so why don't you kick it off first? All right, I will go first, and I will go with the beautiful country of India. Ooh, great. I know, I talk about India a lot, but you know what? I haven't had Indian food in a long time, and I can't wait to get some, so I'm going to talk about it again. The thing that surprised me the most about India is how their driving and traffic system works. Yes. It literally was the most eye-opening experience for me from getting out of the airport to the hotel. It was like the quickest, holy crap, I don't understand how this is making sense. Yeah. And I don't even think that my... Uh, explanation of it gives it justice you really got to go out there you do. and experience it and so what happens is we well what happened was we jumped into the taxi and that's a normal thing for us yes yeah. it, it was uh it, it was a nice gentleman i i sat in the front seat and i remember he took off pulled out of the airport and all of a sudden we're in i think it was probably like a four lane one-way road but it could have been known as a eight lane road yeah. because with the motorcycles and the cars never staying within their boundaries of what is a lane. I don't even know if there's like painted, yeah. uh, the roads painted to say, this is a lane. This is another lane. Stay in your lane. Yeah. It was just, everyone was flowing together and it worked perfectly, Yeah. but it was consistently very scary. You have to be so focused on driving and the other the other way they communicate uh, without these boundaries of paint on the road is with their horns and his hand was on his horn the whole entire way and not not like he was honking the whole time but it was there ready to honk at any like just on the quickest moment and he con consistently hit the horn 
to let everyone know, oh, hey, I'm over here. Check, take a look. I'm in your blind spot. Yeah. Hey, I'm coming over here. Just wanted you to know this. And it's almost like communication, which can be annoying for many people. No one likes the noise of traffic. And it's definitely turned up in India. Yeah. But it works. And it was that is what trips me out the most about it is it actually works. I don't, I'm sure there are a lot of accidents, but there's a lot of accidents in the U.S. too. And we have it all organized. They kind of, I don't know, would you define it as like organized chaos? Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. It was like organized chaos. It seemed like chaos at first, but the Mm -hmm. more you understood the flow of it and the reason, because here in the United States, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, it's very orderly in general. Like you have lines that you, um, you know, if you cross into them, you have to use a light signal. You Mm -hmm. don't, you only use your horn if something (laughs) is going to happen. Like if someone's about to hit you or usually, I mean, some people have road rage and they're kind of like angry. In all honesty, that's what I think most people in the United States use their horn for. I know. Well, I, for sure. But the thing about, um, and we're talking about Omnibod. Now this might be different all over India. India is a huge country, but where yeah. we were at, it was, I mean, they were using the horn to communicate. Like, like you said, they yeah. were all communicating. And so it really got us thinking about how we all learn to drive differently around mm-hmm. the world. And of course they're on the other side of the road too, uh, in yeah. terms of driving, they're using or the right-hand side, the drivers mm. on the right-hand side, like in the UK. That's right? right. Yeah. And so, um, not only that, but like you said, he was his hand and every driver that we had had their hand on the horn as like that's part of the ready whole. ready for action it was so fascinating and then even crossing the streets i mean that's what i was going to talk about yeah. next is so after we got to the hotel we put our stuff down and we were like hey let's try to like familiarize ourselves with this area make ease ourselves into the culture shock because just without even trying to experience the culture we were jumped into it head first yeah right from the airport So we were like, let's try to ease into it. Let's go for a little walk. Go out of the hotel. And just within a few feet, there's what a a street that we have to cross. And it's looking daunting. We've been to many streets where there's no crosswalk or anything like that. But this was, I don't even know. It was like four roads all coming together. And in the middle of it, it just looked like almost like a mosh pit of cars. Yeah. And everyone's just going. If you're in a motorcycle, you're weaving through. If you're in a three-wheeled tuk-tuk, you're finding little crevices. If you're in a car or a bus, you're just honking, letting them know, hey, I'm still moving, and you're creeping forward. And it works. It's so crazy. And we had to figure out how how do we, like, get comfortable just, like, walking and accepting that the way to get across the street is just, having trust in others to not hit you. Yeah. That's kind of the weird way. It is. It was weird. I mean, we honestly, that time we luckily had like, there was a nice old lady who was just obviously (laughs) super used to it. And she just walked and we watched her. We just both looked at each other and said, wow, we're going to follow this one (laughs) because it was our first kind of immersion into, um, you have to really almost study the pattern you have to you have to feel it you have to accept it so first of all the first thing is like let go of what you think a normal you know road crosswalk all of the stuff that we have that's so ordered orderly in the united states is like so let go of that that's the first and Mm -hmm. then the second is okay this isn't as chaotic it feels like it's got high entropy right Mm -hmm. it's like there's a lot going on (laughs) yeah but 
but once you start to kind of adjust, you adapt, you succumb to it. You're like, okay, this is how it is. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. Then you start to really understand there is actually a pattern in what seems like at first chaos. Yeah. And it is a very much a two way, like ebb and flow, trusting that the other person's not going to hit you, right. you know? And, and also you trying to time it where, um, you know, you know that you're going to make it on the other side, no problem. So it was, I know it sounds silly that we're like even talking about traffic and, and walking it's and stuff so like that. It's so much more than that. But though. it really is. It's, it really, I think, hits to the core of how different cultures and different countries produce systems that may seem very different yeah. to others, but work just as good. Yeah. Right? Or even uncomfortable to others. Uncomfortable to but others, yeah. it works. And it, a lot of my big eye-opening th- moment was realizing that a system that I thought could never work works. Yeah. That's what I, that was my takeaway for sure. Yeah. I love it. It's actually, it's amazing to think about. I can't wait to go back to India. I can't wait to experience those confusing moments again with you. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Out of our comfort zone. It's your turn, honey. I'm excited for your, uh, your big moment. My big moment. Well, okay. I have several, but I think the one I'm going to first start off with is, um, in Nicaragua when we first went, this is mm-hmm. way back in time. All right. Right. Yeah. Now there's a Not lot that back in time, but it, it was, was 2012. 2012. Jinx. Jinx. Go ahead. Um, yeah, it, it was my first time in a developing country. Mm-hmm. It was my first time in Nicaragua. <laughs> it yeah. was really a big moment for me. And, um, I think that at first I wanted to say it was definitely about the chicken buses and the markets and stuff like that. Is, is that what you're going to say? I was going to say that. And I might still say that, but what I, what I wrote down is, <laughs> okay. is what I started to understand, what we both started to understand was because we saw so many people, you know, selling stuff on the streets and in the market. I mean, that was like what everyone did. Right. Yeah. And so we were in, it was instantly like, wow, there are a lot of entrepreneurs here. Right. Mm-hmm. But the more we really started to understand and get to know our family and our friends in Nicaragua, we started, I mean, to me, it was really surprising that the culture itself in Nicaragua really Um, revered jobs that were working for the government Mm. and this is a good one yeah and so it was really kind of confusing to me I had to ask questions constantly from people like wait I don't understand why would you think that the government job is the best job that anyone could achieve in this culture right I really wanted to understand that because in the United States it's definitely not the same way I mean we kind of revere entrepreneurship higher than anything I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you created your own business and it really is very successful. That's kind of like the highest level of American dream. I think there's a little bias in there, but there's also the lawyer and the doctor as like the number one also in the United States of like, yes, this is a medical doctor. Very, very successful life. You know, that's the, you know, how many parents are like, yo, go be a lawyer, go be a doctor, go businessman would probably be up there, which would include entrepreneur too. Well, I think that, that the stereotype for being a lawyer, doctor, engineer is also within a lot of other different cultures. Yeah. Right. But in Nicaragua, it was government. It was government jobs specifically, specifically, which jobs it was specifically working for the federal government in Managua. Yeah. And I just thought, I mean, they were, I wouldn't say it was police officers or anything like that. Well, they included that. That was like the crazy moment for me was I remember the like the family we were talking to they were explaining like a really dream job for my kids is to be a police officer that would be very very successful job yeah it's and why though why is it such a uh 
fought after position. It's seemingly stable. In an seemingly un- stable. Seemingly stable in a very unstable economy um, where a lot of, entre- I mean, even though there's a high percentage of people who are entrepreneurs, they're, you know, they're basically forced entrepreneurs. Necessity driven. Yeah, necessity driven where it's really based on because like, they're selling stuff on the street because they have to. Yeah, there's they- no other opportunities for them right. at that moment. So that was pretty eye-opening to me. I mean, of course, the market's, the like loud noises don't on dro- the chicken don't bus say and whatnot. All of them you might be dropping some of mine. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that was my first experience, so I I do want to say that that was a huge thing. But I just think you know when I really started to kind of get comfortable in that country, it was still surprised by things all yeah. the time, and that really was something for me because one of the reasons why we went there was to really truly understand how different societies and cultures and people work and live. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge component because we had left the United States of America where everyone was like, that's the land of, you know, <laughs> money and all that, all the yeah. stuff to go to Nicaragua to become entrepreneurs, which is actually the exact opposite of what the people in the country, are, you know, really yeah. want to do. Yeah. They're, so. they're yeah, to be an entrepreneur is not really thought of as a very successful position in Nicaragua. No. And to be a police officer or working in the federal for any federal position is very, very uh, ideal. And I love how you said it's a misconception that it's a stable, guaranteed salary position. Yeah. Because it might seem like that, but oh man, things are nothing. Nothing's guaranteed in life, and in Nicaragua, you got to be even more cautious about what you think is forever. You do. And, and the, one of the nicest houses in San Juan del Sur was own, was at least at some point when mm-hmm. we were there owned by the guy who ran the elections. Yeah. So, you know, it there's makes a lot. Sense. Of, yeah. It makes sense as to why they believe it. But, oh, man, so different, right? Very different. So, yeah. I will build upon your uh, Nicaragua eye-opening experience because you did mention the chicken buses. But I have it a little bit more specific than just like the shock of like being on the chicken bus. Yeah. Mine was recognizing how well put together the public transportation system was or is in Nicaragua. Yeah. Which carried over for our travels outside of Nicaragua to Guatemala. Yeah. You know, we rode a bus through Honduras, El Salvador, all the way to Guatemala rode another set of public vehicles all the way up to Mexico. Yeah. And that's kind of been the way that we travel once we're in the main location. Yeah. If it's like within a short, what's a short distance, probably like maybe a few hundred, almost a thousand miles of distance. And that's not the same in the United States of America. Not at all. And the moment that I actually realized how special that was, was actually... When we came back to the United States of America, and I was just so used to the idea of like you get off the plane out of the airport, there's some form of public transportation, and you can get anywhere on public transportation. When we left Morocco, we I ended up having to go back to or go to Oklahoma to go find us a home, and I left the airport expecting, falsely expecting that there was going to be a bus there that I could figure a way to get to Stillwater, which was about an hour away. Yeah. Impossible. I had to like literally walk on the side of like the fields of where the planes were landing on the other side of the fence, of course. And I'm, I'm talking a good like half a mile with my backpack just to get to the public bus 
stop to get to the public bus station in Oklahoma City, then to get to Edmond, and then it was impossible to get to Stillwater. But luckily, I had a friend who I met online from one of our classes, and he was kind enough to give me a ride from Edmond to Stillwater. But that was such a major flaw that I actually thought that, oh, well, it worked so good in Nicaragua. This is, we were there for, what, two years or something? Yeah. It was, it was just an automatic thought that, oh, it must be the same in, in all parts of the world. And it's not. Yeah. U.S. is known for their serious lack of trans- public transportation, yeah. honestly. Greyhound bus is not, it's, it's not even comparable no. to like how these other systems work. No. It, one, and even over in Europe, it's not just developed. I mean, there's, there's, there's trains, good, there's too. trains at least. There's like actual, I mean, there are really inexpensive buses all around Europe and yeah. the UK also. Like So many leaving all day all long. All the time. And yeah. so, and, and this is obviously the same in other places we've traveled to, like Singapore and mm-hmm. Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam. I mean, all these places have public transportation that everyone can use and they make it as easy as possible. And, you know, some, some systems are better than others, but in the United States, we are uniquely obsessed with cars and expect Mm -hmm. everyone to have a car. Like, why wouldn't you have a car? We're built on freeways. Yeah, we are built on freeways. So it is, it is a really interesting contrast. Anytime I think we travel, we're like, when we come back to the U S and we're like, we have a car, of course, but I mean, it's actually very convenient. I kind of want to not have a car. Yeah. I I love our car though, but. I'm looking forward to just being able to get wherever I want to go by hopping on something that's going all the time. Yeah. You know, I totally agree. I do have hope in this, in the system, getting a little bit of an upgrade. Um, You know, there's a lot of rail systems that are going to be built in the United States. And we have seen some of the bus companies that we've used in Europe move over to the United States. We'll see where it goes, but man, it's so convenient. You get Wi-Fi on there. You sit, you don't have to drive. Think of all the extra productivity you can have. It's an amazing thing. So that was my big uh, realization that occurred from our travels. Yeah, that's a good one. A really good one. So my other one is kind of, actually kind of in line with what you were just saying, actually. Hmm. Um, it has to do with Bangkok, Thailand. Ooh, so I'm Bang- for Bangkok, it. Thailand opened my eyes to a lot of things. But for sure, I'll just say just in line to kind of transition from what you were saying with the transportation. Their yeah. BTS system, their, like, their, <laughs> their SkyTrain tram, tram yeah. is amazing like yeah. it was so good it, i mean if we live there that's what we would be using all the time basically the time. you know but beyond that i think what i was really surprised with um in bangkok now i knew bangkok was a cool city it was a city and like i just didn't i guess i just didn't really actually know very much about it and i the people who i had talked to said they hadn't been there for a while and it was like kind of underdeveloped or whatever yeah. we went there it is not underdeveloped it has <laughs> so much potential i couldn't believe it i mean we really we went there and every block we went to was like a whole new experience, mm-hmm. you know, every street, every road, but you have all of the conveniences that any modern city would have, mm-hmm. including that BTS system. Yeah. You know, you had literally everything, any type of, the malls were unbelievable. Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even joking. There's no mall that I can really compare these malls in Bangkok to in the United States. Yeah. Like well, these we are, went to the mall, like what? week ago and yeah. I, I was like oh this might be comparable to bangkok it was one of the nicest malls we've been to yeah. in the united states of america but not even close no. to what and it sounds so weird too because a mall if you, it, it's like a dying business out here malls in bangkok were thriving yeah. lines out the door to go this was pre-pandemic yeah to go into louis vuitton like they didn't have restrictions on how many people 
compared to like now you can only have like four people in a store. This was a crazy eye-opening like holy crap, this is a billion dollar investment into a mall. Yeah, it was. And so you had like this ju- this crazy juxtaposition, I felt like, especially when you were in like the main area of the city mm-hmm. where you had this like super, like almost futuristic slash very modern, yeah. you know, structure and, yeah. and shops and malls and like stores. You had all the conveniences yeah. you could ever ask for. Very futuristic, very luxurious. Yeah. And then at the same time, just on that same street, just down and around the corner is like the best secret noodle spot you've ever had. You know, like <laughs> you're sitting true. on plastic chairs and it's so good. Like there's just like little crevices all throughout the city that, yeah. I mean, we only scratched the surface that I can't yeah. even wait to go back, honestly, to just, because you, you felt like, okay, John and I have lived in a lot of places and there's always that moment where we're like, oh man, we're, you know, if you're living in a place like San Juan del Sur, you're, you're okay, I guess for the most part, cause you can have pizza and stuff, yeah. but there's a moment where you're like, oh, I kind of miss, you know, it's not a city. Yeah. I, I kind of miss, yeah. You, you miss the comforts of, of, you know, modern society, you know, yeah. in a, in a sense, no, not in Bangkok. You've got Seven Eleven. If you're, if you're sick of Thai food, which I don't understand that ever, but if you are, <laughs> um, you can go to Seven Eleven and like literally they have some, they have things there that you're never going to find in the United States. I actually find that the Seven Elevens in, in Thailand are way better than anything I've ever been, seen here. They're superior for yeah. sure. And I think what I'm just want to make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. So you're, you're referring to the, the shock of recognizing that you can have a futuristic modern city, but right next door is still that like old school, exactly original, what Bangkok used to look like exactly. maybe 30 or 40 years ago. Exactly. I mean, there was that time, I'll never forget when we were walking to go have dinner and we were walking through high rises, just like so much construction, beautiful modern structures, Marriott hotels, all these nice places. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I think this is the road. We're going down some alleyways and all of a sudden it was like, it was like shanty jungles. Like it was, it was literally like a jungle field in the middle. And some of the people who were living in that area, they were like growing some plants and eating those plants right there grown in the freaking middle of a city. It was unbelievable. It was scary at the same time because we got to see, uh, what uh, security dogs are like. Yeah, they're up, not, don't up mess close with those. And personal. But yeah. at the same time, it was extremely eye opening because you don't think that if you're going to walk through the city, you're going to end up walking through a jungle and yeah. through like a place where there's like farm going on. Yeah, well, and I think that's really special too. I mean, it's not just about like, you know, the really amazing hole in the wall, you know, street vendors that we, mm-hmm. we were able to continue to find everywhere but it what it is the fact that thailand that bangkok actually does has certain areas preserved where the nature is preserved they're Mm -hmm. actually creating i think a new park um in in development right now to preserve so it's really like if you think about a city one of the things that i think a lot of people miss is well nature like i feel like i'm just around cars and like man-made stuff all the time in bangkok they're protecting it yeah and there's so much beauty in nature. I mean, you have, you have everything from monkeys to the most amazing birds around. And it's just when the trees are still there and Mm -hmm. intact and protected, I mean, it's pretty special. So one of the big parks is they call the nickname is the green lung. And I think it's such a beautiful name for, you know, a city in the middle or a park in the middle of the city, the green lung. It's like where all the pollution goes and gets 
filtered and changed into fresh oxygen for us. Well, yeah, it's a really, really smart way to actually, you know, decrease pollution. Yeah. It's to just make sure there's a, a ton of trees around too, at least to balance it out, even though it's not really currently balanced out because there was some some air pollution as there is in pretty much every city i think i've traveled to there's some air pollution yeah based on traffic there's always pros and cons the grass is always greener but at the same time that was i love bangkok i love bangkok too i know and i love that like you know they have tall buildings rooftops are a really big thing you know so like seeing the sky city skyline it's just so much in bangkok that I'm really excited to hopefully explore in the near, not so distant future because yeah. it feels like a place that I could comfortably live for a long time, mm. you know, like yeah. actually call a home because I mean, enough people speak English and it's such a melting pot of people from all over the world Yeah, and people are so kind food. I don't know who else, like what other country compares, honestly. Well, you're kind of alluding to the whole idea of like, it's important to go and find your, your kind of people or yeah. like people who, who are 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 your people your vibe your tribe totally and there's i mean there's so many incubators out there too there's there's co-working spaces and it's just you know it that area was just eye-opening to me in general but i just think the city itself was something i haven't really seen in a lot of other cities honestly yeah well that kind of whole region of of southeast asia any major city in there it's so much more focused on the international life than focused on protecting their, what they have there and not wanting people in or out. It's more like, this is ours. This is, is what we, is who we are. And keeping that to their core, they're allowing these new cultures to come in. And, and that's why you get like such an amazing variety of like the food or so, so many various, uh, opportunities to experience new cultures or, new new spiritual opportunities as yeah. well it's like a beautiful thing it really I'm is like preaching right no, now. no it, it it is it's it's a perfect example of what happens when you know basically immigration is encouraged where it's like hey this is our spot welcome mm-hmm. you know like welcome in what else can we do together you mm-hmm. know kind of a thing they're not afraid to lose their culture the thai culture is so amazing and, and beautiful right. it really is they they really it's not like they they've let that go but no. they're very much leaning into the future i would say yeah it's, it's like a global mindset global mindset and also towards sustainability absolutely also you know it's like how how do i mean even the united states is having a hard time trying to you know reach certain goals to ensure that you know we're not polluting as much absolutely and you think about how how difficult that must be for other countries you know who don't have the same you know huge economy well they're making it happen still everyone mm-hmm. can do a little bit and i think that bangkok is absolutely doing that yeah. in its own way do you think that just to bring it back to the question do you think that it's weird of us or like we're different because we crave being surprised when we travel like yes. we're craving that shock factor yeah i think that that's part of it i mean anytime you change your environment it's a little bit different right mm-hmm. but if you go to a place that is just completely brand new to you mm-hmm. that's the mo- has so much fun well that's that's so much fun for us yeah but do you think i, I actually would not be at least i don't i don't want to be i don't want to make uh, guesses about other people yeah. or assumptions, but I definitely run towards it where I do believe a lot of individuals run away from it. Yeah. I think that the more you do it, the more you're comfortable with it. Right. So it, you and I you have it, done the it. The more you crave it. 
Yeah, I do think so. That's kind of weird. Well, it, because honestly, I mean, I'm even just reflecting on my first time in Nicaragua. It was so overwhelming. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe we just moved here. So it wasn't like a two week <laughs> trip here. It was like, we are here. So yeah, when you, one way flight. Yeah, when you change that mindset of like, okay, I'm just here for a little bit and then I'm coming back. I just think that, and, and you actually say, okay, I'm going to live here for a certain period of time. Yeah. It actually, you have to adapt. Right. And that, that adaptation, I feel like we've actually kind of even, um, forced ourselves to become really great ethnographers, which is like, mm-hmm. um, a form of research in the qualitative field where you basically immerse yourself in the culture right. to really assimilate so that you're not just an observer, a distance observer. You're actually in there and you feel like you're a part of it and they yeah. no long and the culture no longer sees you as different mm. and that and That's how what we does, work towards yeah how does how does behavior change in the locals when they actually accept you as you know somewhat yeah. local you know yeah. that you're not this outsider that you're not like a tourist or a visitor for a single day yeah exactly and it takes in all honesty i don't think you can do too much fast forwarding on it it just takes time it does and putting yourself out there and embracing it it's a beautiful thing it is it's such a beautiful thing i can't wait to travel again i I hope that all of our listeners will go and travel as well in the near future it's such a great thing we appreciate them all i appreciate you too i appreciate you too my love and we look forward to speaking with you all manana see you then Bye. Thank you.